Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with part two of our discussion on what it means for a believer to be filled with the Spirit. The scripture reference for this week is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, Be Filled with the Spirit, Part 2. Well, you might be looking at a sermon title or the notes in your outline and uh, know that as we're studying through the book of Ephesians that uh, we got last week to chapter 5, verse 18. You're saying, well, that must be a misprint. It says the same thing this week. Ah, but it says part two. How can anybody take one verse, which isn't even a whole sentence, it's only the beginning of a long sentence, and preach two weeks on it? You just watch. It's going to be three before we are saying goodbye to Ephesians 5.18. But that's because it's a watershed statement about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a story told, and I'm sure it is apocryphal, but it's about um, a small airplane carrying just four people, and it lost power, and it was going down. On board was the pilot, an engineer, a Boy Scout, and a pastor. The problem was, well, there was a big problem with the airplane. Another problem was there were only three parachutes on board. The pilot blurted out, well, we're going down. There's no choice for me. I have a wife and children who need me, and, I can't, and they can't get along without me. He grabbed a parachute, popped open the door, and jumped before anybody else could join the conversation. The engineer said, well, I also have no choice. Humbly, I, I, I'm a genius, and my greatest work is about to begin construction. I owe it to society to see that project to its conclusion and to save myself. You two will have to decide who gets the last parachute. He grabbed a parachute and jumped. The minister, doing a good job of who he is, said, son, I want you to take the last parachute. You have your whole life ahead of you. I've already lived a productive life. I've made my peace with God, and I'm not afraid of death. Give your heart to God and parachute to safety. And the Boy Scout said, well, thank you, pastor, for your kindness, but it isn't necessary. That genius just took my backpack and jumped. That's pretty silly. And it is a perfect picture of a lot of people's religion. They are thinking they have something that's going to save them, and what they've done is added a burden that's going to make them crash all the harder. 
The only way to be saved is by, and I hate to demean the cross by talking about a parachute, but the only thing that will save you is the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the only way to live this life is by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within everyone who accepts the saving grace of God in Christ. A lot of preaching these days is the opposite of a life-saving parachute. It's like strapping on a burden, as I said. It makes people sink even faster into spiritual defeat and discouragement as they, as they try to do things that will gain them merit with God. Much of the brand of Christianity that's being practiced in our society, it isn't Christianity at all. It's warmed over self-effort and human motivation. And even many who, who, who do really believe the, the true gospel and they are born again, they are woefully unacquainted with who they are in Christ Jesus. That's why we're studying Ephesians. 27 times in this book, the theme phrase, in Christ. This is who we are in Him. And the cheap substitutes that, uh, the cheap substitutes that people have bought into are just a, a hodgepodge of human opinions and formulas for success, prosperity, gospel, wishful thinking, Uh, political activity, feel-good, do-gooder programs that don't gain you standing with God. The real thing is the Spirit-controlled life. So we've come to this watershed verse containing this very important aspect of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The everyday ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer is as important as any subject that we could ever study as believers. As you leave the building today, Just to continue with the pathetic analogy, don't jump out the door without this life-saving understanding. Now, we started by reading the the whole sentence, and I want to do that again today. It's Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Paul writes, and do not get drunk with wine. Notice the and. This is connected to the last occurrence of of the word walk. Walk not as unwise men, but as wise men. The new man in Christ walks in a certain way. And as you walk, he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Dissipation means uh, not saving. There's, there's nothing that will help you in being intoxicated. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, there's so much said about the work of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit these days. It it can be quite confusing. So I decided to slow down here and approach this by looking at a contrast, inaccurate statements that you're liable to hear about the Holy Spirit and how He indwells and fills believers, and then biblical statements. We started with the inaccurate statements, but we didn't finish. I promised you eight, and we only got to five of the eight. I encourage you to uh, review these if you need to. The sermon is uh, online from last week if you need to, but we started with, number one, you must ask in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, understand there's nothing wrong with asking to receive the Holy Spirit, but that's essentially asking for Christ because you get the Holy Spirit when you when you get Christ. This is part of the teaching that the Holy Spirit comes to a person 
in a completely separate event that happens sometime after salvation. And that's a, a false teaching that shows up in a lot of wrinkles in, in a lot of ways. But uh, make no bones about it, we have the Holy Spirit if we belong to Christ. You can review last week, as I said. Number two, you must regularly ask the Holy Spirit to fall afresh upon you. You have to push that refresh button, you know, you, the, the Spirit kind of dwindles and you, and, and, and you, need, a, and you need a recharge, you, you need a booster shot. Well, that's not what the New Testament teaches. Thirdly, you must empty yourself of sin and self and live a separated life for the Holy Spirit to come in and fill your heart. That's the idea that you have to make yourself holy before you receive the Holy Spirit, who is the only one who can make you holy. So uh, there's, there's, a, there's a flaw there. And again, review if you need to. Fourth one is depersonalizing the Holy Spirit, thinking of the Holy Spirit as an it, an impersonal force. That's not true. And uh, number five, you must um, pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not the same thing I said the first time. Here's the idea that, that you may be Spirit-filled, you may be walking with uh, the Lord, you may be doing wonderful things, but then you sin... You lose the filling of the Holy Spirit, and there is a teaching that you are not again filled until you specifically go through a series of steps that makes you again ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I was taught that when I was a new believer, and I was pleased to find out that is not necessarily the, that is not at all the mechanism for being filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, number six, here's a new one for today. You must tarry for the Holy Spirit. Now, if this is familiar to you, I know what your spiritual background is. A lot of you probably haven't heard this one, unless you've come from a specific church background. The terminology comes from Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 49 in the King James Version. This is Jesus speaking before He ascends to the Father. He says, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That was the promise of the Holy Spirit. He mentioned it many times that night before he went to the cross. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now, the misapplication of that verse has been turned into the concept that you must, again, after you receive Christ, then you have to go through a process of praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon you or to fill you. Heavy emphasis is put on tarrying for the Holy Spirit in, in some groups. By the way, the word tarry, T-A-R-R-Y, is an obsolete English word that means wait or stay. Nothing wrong with waiting on the Lord, being patient, that's a good thing. It literally means sit down. So the idea you have to come and sit and wait and pray, whatever, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. In some, uh, in some Christian circles, there is even a procedure for uh, staying at the altar as long as you need to. It might be uh, 10 minutes, it might be an hour, it could be five hours, it could be all night. But you pray and you tarry for the coming of the Holy Spirit. I have known one person in my life who was named Terry, with a T-A-R-R-Y, and I was thinking, boy, you must have been way past your due date <laughs> if your mom and dad um, chose that for you. In reality, Luke, 40, Luke 24, 49 has no direct application for Christians today. 
It was an instruction from Jesus to the group of believers who were gathered at the time of his ascension to wait for the initial arrival of the Holy Spirit to indwell all believers. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.